So this Are episode you... is haunted. It's fine. It's going to be fine. This episode is cursed. Clippity clap. It's going to be fine. Clippity clap. Clippity clap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, All right. Off to a great start. <laughs> Clippity clap in one, two, three. Oh, my gosh. All right. I was going to count in my demon voice, but I thought it might go too far. Welcome to the True Crime ABC's podcast. I'm Danny. And I'm Sarah. Take a journey with us through our alphabet of true crime, one letter at a time. Listen through the end of each episode for reading recommendations and a sneak peek into what's going on in the podcast next week. This episode is supported by the letter O, and this week O is for Origins. Mm -hmm. To celebrate the end of Halloween season, we're talking about the origins of Halloween. And we are both this uh, we are both birthday girls of the fall persuasion. Mm-hmm. So this is true crime ABC season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, as a Scorpio Slytherin, <laughs> this is my time of year. This is my time to shine. Oh my gosh. I love it. The origins of Halloween can be traced back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. Even though it's spelled Samhain, it's Samhain. Which translates directly to summer's end. And Samhain was significant to the Celtic people because it marked the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter, primarily in Ireland and the UK and parts of France. Samhain was celebrated usually November 1st and was considered to be the beginning of the dark part of the year. Mm-hmm. when the boundary between the living and the dead were believed to be its thinnest. Scary. Ooh. Samhain consisted of a couple of different things. Um, there was the Festival of the Dead, where... Ooh, I just had to show on my microphone again. There was the Festival of the Dead, which started on the evening of October 31st, where they believed that ghosts of the dead would return to Earth. So they would light these big bonfires and wear costumes in the hopes to ward off any roaming spirits. Samhain also stood for harvest and new year, the end of the harvest season, the beginning of the new year. It was usually a time for like feasting and big community gatherings mm-hmm. and loads of rituals to ensure that there would be a bountiful harvest in the, pre- in the following year. Of course. So a little bit of history of Samhain... When the Romans conquered Celtic territory, or Roman Empire, um, elements of Samhain became mixed in with Roman festivals, such as Feralia, which was a late October festival um, that marked the passing of the dead, and Pomona, which was a celebration typically for the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. Good times. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV established All Saints Day, um, which was also called All Hallows Day, on November 1st to honor saints and martyrs, and again sort of fused together the Christian calendar and the pagan aspects of Samhain and like Celtic Gaelic beliefs, which all sort of circled back to October 31st, November 1st time. Mm-hmm. Later in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III renamed November 1st specifically All Saints Day, again incorporating some of those pagan traditions. But as Christianity spread, those pagan traditions would continue to blend with the Christian customs. And eventually, Irish and Scottish immigrants would bring those customs to North America in the 19th century. Halloween continued to evolve, especially in the United States, where it seems to be the biggest celebration (laughs) around the world. We Um, we do it big. (laughs) Yeah, listen, go big or go home is the American way. Am I not? Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. Um, (laughs) So the U.S. continued to adopt and fuse together lots of different cultures and customs to make Halloween this crazy, weird spectacle that you know, some people think is amazing and some people think is devil worship. You decide. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> right, right. I did. Oh, fun side note. 
I did have a kid. I have a couple of kids who didn't celebrate, who don't celebrate Halloween, yep. which is fine. I we had other things. If they didn't want to do the Halloween activity, I had other things they could do. Um, but one of the kids who's not one of my students, but when you're when you work in an elementary school, like all the kids know you and yeah. you have your little buddies in other grades. Yeah. And one of my little buddies was like, or I was like, oh, what did you do for Halloween? And she's like, oh, we don't celebrate Halloween. We're Christians. And she said Christians like bold underlined. Mm-hmm. And she's that like, are you a, qu- yeah, oh, seriously, the sass was real from a second <laughs> grader. Um, she's like, are you a Christian? I'm like, ooh, let's, yeah, let's not talk about like, that. This is this not. Is officially the separation yeah. of church and state. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not comfortable talking about this in a public school. Like, I'm already terrified every day I'm going to get fired. Does not allow me to discuss yeah. any of this further with you. Even more <laughs> so in Florida. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. I forgot you guys are, like, crazy. You're below the Bible nuts. belt. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, Florida does a really good job of conveniently forgetting the parts of the Bible that are, like, about kindness and not judging people no, 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 and, like, no. not being an asshole. So The wrath could, is way more fun. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> picking and choosing the parts of the Bible that we want to follow, that's <sighs> only yeah. in Florida. I mean, not only in Florida, but was gosh, like, Florida uh, does it really been... well. <laughs> so one of my favorite... Uh, Halloween traditions, of course, is wearing scary costumes or wearing costumes, right? So in order to avoid the evil spirits that were walking around on the earth, people would dress up or uh, the Celts would dress up during Samhain. Uh, That would basically allow them to hide from the evil spirits. So that was why they initially started disguising themselves or dressing up in disguise. Um, so that they would be left alone from those evil spirits. Of course, there's trick-or-treating, which is a huge one in the United States. I know, uh, you know, it's crazy because I think a lot of places now are doing more of, like, the trunk-or-treat or or more Mm -hmm. of, like, smaller, selective, you know, groups of trick-or-treating where you can just go... Quote-unquote safer versions of trick-or-treating where you're not knocking on strangers' doors. Yeah. I mean, you know know me. (laughs) I'm... I'm of the age where you said, see you later to your parents and ran the whole neighborhood yep. and filled up mm-hmm. the, the pillowcase and all of that. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's very interesting to see the changes over the years. But Yeah, for sure. Um, so trick-or-treating, of course, there are roughly, there's, well, not roughly, there's three popular theories around how it sort of came to be or mm-hmm. the origins of trick-or-treating. Right. So the very first theory is that during Samhain, uh, people would leave, the Celtic people would leave food out to um, basically make the spirits happy, leave them gifts while they were traveling the earth for the night. Um, and then of kind course, of like El Dia de los Muertos style. Yes, yes yeah. exactly. Um, and then of course, over time, people started dressing up as ghosts to exchange similar offerings with each other of food and mm-hmm. drink. So... Um, sort of evolved, obviously, into what we see today. The second theory says that the requesting of candy sort of stems from the Scottish practice of guising, which Mm -hmm. is a secular version of souling. Okay, so during the Middle Ages, children and poor adults would go around and collect food and money from usually the more wealthy people. Mm -hmm. They would collect it and return it for prayers for the dead on All Souls Day. Imagine, like, is... getting paid in, like, prayers. Yeah. Like, give me a can of potatoes, and I'll pray for your dead mom. <laughs> <laughs> you won't see... I mean, I... I feel like it's probably... Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that during the Middle Ages, this was, like, the least of people's... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, God... They, it they probably were, they needed smelled. all the prayers they could probably get. Yeah, they needed prayer. They need to pray away the stench. <laughs> I could not. Oh my god! Like I know everybody was stinky then, but ooh, I would not have done well back then. I like the second I feel smelly, I like am bathing in deodorant. It's like the feeling of dirty skin. Yeah. Ugh, no. Like you I don't. I, do you just get used to that? You just I you just live with that guess. thing you. That's gross. I'm not trying to go back there anytime soon. Mm-mm, it's not for me. 
So the third theory basically says that modern trick-or-treating in America stems mm-hmm. from get you listen, get ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Bell snickling. Bell schnickel. Yeah, yes. This is very is- a la Dwight Schrute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Schrute Farms is all over this. Oh you my can gosh, probably what is... get the Bell Schnickeling package at Schrute Farms. I think, is it Bell Schnickel? Is that Santa or no? Santa's name. Oh, my gosh. I got it. What is Santa? What is Dwight? Dwight Schrute Christmas. I got to look it up. Um, He gets everyone to do. Okay, the Bell Schnickel. It's Santa. Nice. Weird. Okay, sorry. I digress. So the bell snickling uh, is a German-American Christmas tradition where kids dress up in costume and then basically call on their neighbors to see if they could identify who was disguised or who was under the disguise. Which is cute. I mean, that's super cute. Yeah. Guess who I am. (laughs) Yeah, like if when my neighbor kids knock on the door on Halloween, yeah, it's precious. Yeah. And then of course they were rewarded and given treats and, um, you know things like that if no one could identify them. Oh, so, nice! Again, the disguises, the fun treats. One of the other fun things that I love to do is carving jack o' lanterns. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, how we got the jigsaw out. Oh, nice. <laughs> Because it was taking us too long with the little tiny, you know. Yeah, I painted over carving this year. Yep, yep. It was way easier. (laughs) I'm sure. But not as fun. The what was it? The Jack Skellington, where you took every single little tiny cut of his stitched up mouth. It took forever. It It that took hours. When was that? 2007, 2008. It was in the maybe maybe a little bit later. You and hubby had the house. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been, like, 2011. Okay. Oh, man. We also carved really good pumpkins that year. (laughs) We all did. We all had beautiful pumpkins. Fun, fun. So, the tradition of carving pumpkins, or jack-o'-lanterns, is... Oh, this is one of my favorite... This is one of my favorite origins. So, the tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns, or carving pumpkins into jack-o'-lanterns, originated in Ireland and this is truly terrifying to look up because they use yes. turnips yeah oh my god or other awful. like root vegetables yeah um instead of pumpkins initially so it makes me think of like mandrakes from Harry Potter it's like with totally all their, shrunken like, head like that's all yeah, I think uh, yep <laughs> what's not for me so <laughs> oh my gosh so this whole practice of carving the turnips or the root vegetables, whatever they mm-hmm. had on hand. Some of them were potatoes. It's again, Ireland, but <laughs> you, there's some good pictures out there. You have to look it up. Uh, but this was uh, based on a legend of a man named Stingy Jack who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But of course, when Jack died, he found out that heaven didn't want his soul either. Ooh, rough, Jack. Yeah. So he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for all eternity. Of course, the devil gave Jack a burning lump of coal in one of those creepy carved out turnips. Hate it. <laughs> to light his way as a lantern. Mm-hmm. Well, so, well, it's nice of the devil, I guess. Right. So locals eventually, of course, began carving the scary faces into their Mm -hmm. own turnips to frighten the evil spirits away. I love that. Yeah. So I am a person who loves to be scared. And I remember (laughs) back in the day, Cedar Point during Halloween would always have a ton of haunted houses. Oh, yeah. And like... All Hallows Weekend? All Hallows... What's it called? I can't even remember what it's called anymore. Hollow Scream or something like that. Oh, or... Eve? oh, oh that's the name of the Yeah, Hollow Weekend, something <laughs> like that. Hollow Weekend. Yeah. Um, so I would go with the Canton crew mm. every year. And we'd like go, we were like too cool for the haunted houses. Of so course. So we'd like go in and like 
flirt with all the older high school college boys who were in there to scare and be like, oh, my God, you did such a good job scaring us. We were such a-holes. Like, it was absolutely absurd. So dumb. Meanwhile, we're like 14. Gross. Uh, So anyway, so I love a good haunted house. But um, haunted houses are pretty old, actually. Like, older than I thought they were for some reason. So... Um, the first recorded haunted attraction, like built a uh, building built specifically to be a haunted house, was the Orton and Spooner Ghost House, which opened in Liphook on England in 1915. It actually was more like a carnival fun house, okay. and it was steam powered, which is pretty cool. What? And it actually still exists. It's part of the Hollycomb Steam Collection. Okay. That would Which, be really cool to see. I know. I, like, it's kind of on my to-do list. Like, if I convince my husband to go to England, which we should, because his, like, dad is first generation, like, from yeah. England. So, we need to go. Um, but in the United States, obviously, haunted houses are huge. And in, like, the last 50 years are just insane. Mm-hmm. But the first, like, real iconic American haunted house was the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, which opened on August 12th, 1969. And then soon after that, Knott's Berry Farm had its own Halloween night, which they called Not Scary Farm, which is adorable. That's um, yeah, best, best haunted house name ever. Yeah, which opened a few years later in 1973. And then... For some reason, evangelical Christians decided, like, ooh, haunted houses are great. Let's take this on. And they started opening haunted houses called Hell Houses around that same time, which is like, yes, scare the children to heaven. Yeah, I have actually heard something (laughs) about these. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wildly interesting that they like existed well into I mean I'm sh- there's probably some that still exist I don't know but right existed well into <laughs> my lifetime <laughs> oh boy oh gosh we'll have to see if we can find one we can visit oh my gosh yes please <laughs> do we get a bible on the way out I don't listen I don't know sure. <laughs> so black cats they are known around spooky season mm-hmm the idea of being sort of spooked by black cats dates back to, of course, the Middle Ages, one of our favorite yeah. times, um, when essentially they were considered to be a symbol of the devil. Mm-hmm. Surprise. It didn't help, really, that centuries later, accused witches were often found to have cats. Right. And you know, because women with a cat. Spinsters with cats. Right. They must Ex- be working with the devil. Yes. They're... <laughs> She's a wheeze. Oh, gosh. People began to believe that the cats were a witch's familiar, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a supernatural entity that would assist them in their dark magic. Uh, yeah. So, of course. Like yeah, magic booster. A, yeah. We've got a little bit of a spookiness um, tied to that. I love it. Bats were yes. um, one of the earliest uh, Halloween celebrations or, mm-hmm. you know, Halloween-type Symbols of Halloween, yeah. yeah. So as uh, part of Samhain, Celts lit huge bonfires, which attracted, of course, tons of bugs, mm-hmm. um, which in turn attracted bats. Right. So, uh, you know, seeing the bats sort of became connected with the festival. Um, yeah, that seems like an obvious yeah, pretty, pretty connection to make. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, the medieval folk... folk so the... So, of course, the medieval folklore expanded and, you know, went into a little bit more of the eeriness of bats um, with a bunch of superstitions built around the belief that um, bats were, I can never say this word, but bats were um, sort of the bringers of death or a symbol of death. So we had initially planned to try and tell some, like, funny Halloween stories Uh or funny Halloween crimes. They don't exist, guys. Everything horrible happens on Halloween. I was even looking for, like, like crime fails. Yeah, for sure. where, you know, like, where the, the plot got foiled or anything like that. And it was just... I found one video from, like, 1994... It was probably not that old. It's probably 
late 90s, but of, like, this guy who tried to hold up a convenience store and the lady, like, the lady thought because it was Halloween that it was a toy gun. And so she, like, took it from his hand and he's like, uh, 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 and then he ran off. And that's all, like, that's the only... That's pretty good, though. Which is hilarious, but also it's a, what, 28-second story, so yeah. we're done. That's that's the episode, guys. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So instead, I picked a horrific story where lots of people die. That's Yay. not super horrific, but, you know. <laughs> it's fine. So the story that I have this week is mm-hmm. the story of Peter and Betty Fabiano. Okay. Um, so Peter and Betty, um, this was Halloween night, 1957, mm-hmm. and they were sort of settling in. It was around 11 o'clock at night. So obviously trick-or-treating was done. They were sort of, you know, wrapping up their evening. Mm-hmm. And the doorbell rang. So Peter, thinking it was like, a late group of teenagers or something trick-or-treating. He ended up going and answering the door. But when he opened the door, the person that was there was a rather tall person. So obviously not like a child or a teenager. Um, hmm. And had a sort of hand-painted like burglar mask on their face. Oh, um, weird. And then they were wearing just like men's, you know, men's blue jeans, mm-hmm. a, a khaki jacket, red gloves. They had been holding a paper bag that apparently disguised a gun. Ugh, hate that. Peter was a little bit annoyed when he answered the door. And so, of course, Fair. he responds, you know, he opens the door and says, it's a little late for this, isn't it? And oh, yikes. the person who was at the door answered in a very deep voice, no. <laughs> oh. And then shot him. What the heck? Peter was actually killed pretty much instantly because the killer shot him in the chest. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, upon hearing that shot, Betty came running down to the door, but the person had actually already fled. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. You know, obviously they had to wait for the police to arrive, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We know that Peter was killed. Betty at this point um, was obviously still around. Mm -hmm. The person hadn't attacked her or anything like that. Um, And Betty had a friend named Joan, who they were good friends. They hung out, got coffee together, all of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And Joan started to sort of develop almost like an obsession Mm -hmm. um, with Betty. And of course, yeah. So, of course, the newspapers at the time that were reporting the crime, um, this was... They dubbed it the trick-or-treat murder that was as fantastic as the spirits of Halloween uh, because of the sort of love triangle aspect that was suspected here. Mm -hmm. So Betty's friend, Joan, Joan actually was the, she had another friend that she had sort of also been getting to know Mm -hmm. whose name was Goldine, which is a fabulous name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. Goldine was either divorced, she was either divorced or widowed when she met Joan, Mm -hmm. Um, but they lived near each other. They lived about a mile from each other in Hollywood. So they got to know each other a little bit. Joan, there's not a ton that's known about Joan, but she got to know Goldine. And as this sort of obsession developed with Betty, Mm -hmm. she was feeding all of this information to Goldine. So she would complain to Goldine about, you know, the things that were going on and and the way that um, Peter had been treating Betty and all of this stuff as their friendship had sort of developed. Wild. Um, So (laughs) Joan, um, again, sort of in this obsession or what, whatever, uh, you know, affair they were having, Mm -hmm. she convinces Goldine to actually go and kill Peter on Halloween. What a good friend. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, the newspaper described them as coffee clatch friends, which I have mm. no idea what that means, but I'm sure it's something that's just, you know. Were they like special friends? <laughs> I don't know. So that was the whole thing is like, okay. Joan had these relationships and this obsession with sort of Betty. Right. The, the papers at the time sort of 
Right. You know. Latched onto the lesbian yes. thing. Yes, very much so. Um, but during around, it was about three months where Joan was talking to Goldine and ended up convincing Goldine to become uh, a hit woman, an unpaid mm-hmm. hit woman. She just decided to do this out of the generosity of her heart. I don't know. <laughs> Again, what a good freaking friend. Yeah. So Joan ended up buying the gun um, and, you know, basically finagled and figured out how to get a getaway car for mm-hmm. Goldine. Um, so that was from another friend. And then she sent the disguise to Goldine and mm-hmm. basically sent Goldine over to the Fabiano, Fabiano residence in the house with the gun. It only took one shot to accomplish it. Mm. After Goldine had shot Peter, she got back in the car. Joan drove her, um, drove her home, <laughs> which I think is funny because why yeah. would you just go home? I don't know. But Joan drove her home and gave her one last instruction, which was, forget you ever knew me. Oh, she did that and then, like, ghosted her? Yeah. Rude. Yeah. So, Goldine was kind of going along with it. She, um, you know, she went with it, but she realized that, like, over the next day or the next morning, she didn't get any instructions from Joan on how to dispose of the, the murder weapon, the gun. Mm-hmm. So of course, instead of like destroying it or throwing it in a river or something like that, she takes it to a Bullock's flagship store in downtown LA and dumps Bullocks. it into like a storage locker. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. <laughs> so guess what? Two weeks later, <laughs> Um, the detectives were able to find the gun. What? You they, don't say. I know. And they ended up questioning Goldine, who was just super ready to share all of the, the details. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, there's pictures of the day that Joan and Goldine got, um, got arrested. Mm-hmm. So those are fun if you want to take a look at those. Mm, yeah, I um, do. How do you spell Goldine? Like Gold. Uh, it is G O L D Y N E. Goldine. Goldine. Oh, oh my gosh! There's so it's so fifties. Fifties, sixties, fifties. Fifties. They're older than I thought for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a little bit younger. Crazy. All right, sorry. Yep, carry yeah, on. It's all good. <laughs> uh, okay, so this um, gets a little bit fun because <laughs> Goldine actually ends up um, pleading not guilty by reason of insanity mm-hmm. because of the Svengali like effect that Joan had over her. Yeah. <laughs> she was helpless to resist. And of course, the, the, the newspapers were never very specific about what was going on, but they were very much, you know, right. implying the fact that there was relationships. Yes, here, there so. was a love factor there. Yes. Um, so they were each sentenced to five years in uh, five years to life in prison. But I, I was going to say five years. No, what? no, five years to life. Okay. Um, but we don't really know how much time they served. That was pretty unclear in everything that I found. So weird. Um, yeah, it's very strange. The rumors about the murder are Joan and Betty had an abnormal quote unquote abnormal relationship, mm-hmm. which was fraught with jealousy. Um, you know, so again, they were implying that Betty and Joan were lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, Betty had sort of helped engineer the murder plot after complaining of you know, Peter being abusive to Joan. Right. So, of course, there were never any actual, um, like, actual allegations of abuse against Peter. There were no situations. There were never any, you know, anything that actually happened with Betty. So that's Mm -hmm. sort of all hearsay as well. It's very interesting. Um, So the... Betty was never, like, suspected to have also then been evolved. It was just... 
Joan was obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if there was, I don't think there was any like sort of reciprocation on Betty's part. I think it was just, they were friends and Joan ended up sort of going off the deep end. Mm-hmm. So. Yikes. So Betty, obviously, um, so she remarried in yeah. 1966 and then ended up passing away in 1999 mm-hmm. um, oh, at wow. the age of 81. Well, and good for you, Betty. Yeah. Goldine passed away in 1998 in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um. And then no one really knows what happened to Joan. So. That's so weird. That kind of makes it fun. Is she still out there? Probably not. Well, probably not now, but. (laughs) Wow. It's crazy that, I mean, again, like the 50s and shit, you could just disappear. But. Crazy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Those sentences feel a little light even still you shot Mm -hmm. somebody in cold blood and you only got five like five years to life presumably you would have gotten just the five years well you know good behavior or whatever but was it just because they were like being soft on the ladies that's what i was going to say you have to really i think that it's about more of the context of the time because how many women murderers in 1957 had there been well and who are going to make the sandwiches if they're in prison (laughs) sorry (laughs) <laughs> Dot making an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over. Oh, oh god. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun. Yeah. So That's it's sad. it's just yeah crazy, and I I wasn't able to find any books on this. So yeah, uh, my book rec this week is more about the origins as well of Halloween. Yeah. So, but yeah, check out uh, the story. If you want to. I know I've heard at least one podcast who did this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if I can remember which one I, I've listened to, I'll put them in the resources as well. So I am going to talk about the Haunted Castle at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And the Haunted Castle was an attraction that originally was supposed to open just for the fall season. Okay. Of 1978. It ended up being such a big hit that they continued it into 1979 and the next year. It was originally supposed to be like a temporary attraction. Mm-hmm. And they ended up keeping it long term and were planning to redo this whole thing into a long term attraction. Yeah. Um, which eventually did happen. In 1979, they rebuilt the temporary one. And gave it this whole new big front facade to make it look cooler and more like a castle. And styled it after, like, medieval architecture. It was a big hit. You know, obviously every Halloween all the kids went. And again, it was kind of in the carnival house, like, fun house style. There was, it was kind of like a maze you had to get through. And, you know, you'd walk through certain parts and there'd be jump scares and things like that. And... A couple of people working inside to provide some of those scares. They had a lot of, um, like, plastic monsters. Like, I'm sure compared to 2023 haunted houses, it was probably laughable. It, well, right. But... Well, it's the context. It was 1970-something. Right. <laughs> right. You say 78? Yeah, 1978. The front facade of the haunted house was really, like, built up, cool, intricate... But the haunted house itself was really just trailers that they had kind of put together. Mm -hmm. And then again, it was like a maze that went around all the through all these trailers with one central trailer being like a control room. Okay. It's actually kind of brilliant. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. To construct a full. A hundred percent. It's just like easy framing. If they want to swap it out, it's easy to take down. Mm -hmm. Like it makes total sense. So... Unfortunately, on May 11th, 1984, there was a fire at the attraction, and it trapped eight people inside, all teenagers, who all died. This is a horrific story. Yes, I'm sorry. Like, this happened early, too. It was only, like, 6.30 when the fire started. Yeah. But unfortunately, 
the building's air conditioning was pumping fresh air and just fueling the fire. So you're in this flammable trailer filled with a bunch of foam, plastic, styrofoam stuff that's going to light up easily. At the time that the fire started, there were 30 guests inside. Most people were able to get out, including the four park employees. But eight people inside were killed from the fire. Seven who survived were treated for smoke inhalation. And then there was one... So the eight people who died, they were actually in a group of nine. Mm -hmm. And the one kid who got out, got out because a park employee carried them out. Oh, my gosh. Now, obviously, because they were minors, I can't find anybody's names, which is fine. Yeah, I don't, you know... But, like, that one kid, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, gosh. The survivor guilt is real. One of the witnesses who had entered the attraction, like, just a a few minutes after the fire had started. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they they weren't like, there's a fire. Let's go inside. You know, the fire had started somewhere else, and then they got to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, They had, at one point, kind of come around a bend of one part of the haunted house, And they all thought like, oh, cool, the smoke is great. And then they realized, oh, no, no, this isn't fun fire. This is scary fire. And one of her groups started yelling fire and trying to, like, get everybody else who was in out and just Mm -hmm. yelling. But again, if you're in a haunted house and someone's yelling fire, you probably think it's part of the attraction, right? I don't know. I don't even know what I would have done in that moment, you know? Yeah. Would you even have listened or how long right. it's taken for you to be like oh my god this is actually real i, I probably would have pieced out because like if someone's think. yelling fire <laughs> yeah stupid stuff's about to go down mm-hmm. whether or not it's a real fire or somebody being stupid yeah. you know, I know. <laughs> yes um luckily the f- um, firefighters came from 11 of the surrounding communities yeah. like it was just boot and rally like everybody came to help the fire was put out within an hour like it wasn't I don't know it didn't it wasn't out of control it just was such an enclosed space and it was a maze so if you're inside it just it's a recipe for disaster like it makes Mm -hmm. me never want to go into a haunted house or any sort of like corn maze or anything Mm -hmm. on the off chance disaster strikes and I have to find my ass out of there so (laughs) No, thanks. Um, the No one really realized that there, the people who, who died inside of the fire were mm-hmm. even in there until, until the fire was totally under control and it was like in the light of day. Oh, gosh. The bodies were so burnt that they were originally thought to be mannequins, <sighs> which is, mm, makes me super sad. Um. There, so the investigation into the fire, there were lots of, it was a jurisdiction nightmare, basically. Mm. Um, Because so many people had come to help, there were local, state, federal laws that had been broken or looked over. Um, In addition to the fact that, like, labor board stuff and Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were some like OSHA things and engineering things. So there were, there were a lot of people involved in, involved in this investigation. Obviously the families of the people who died sued the shit out of Six Flags. I would expect nothing less. Exactly. Like as they should. But a state panel who investigated the fire said that the Haunted Castle had been in violation of at least a dozen state fire codes. The construction code that they were supposed to be following, nobody was really enforcing it. I I think partially because it was still considered a temporary structure. It just, I I feel like that there were just so many missteps here. And it was 1984, Mm -hmm. you know, so they weren't, it wasn't like they had digital records of all this stuff that they were keeping. So eight days after the fire, the Ocean County Prosecutor's Office said that a 13-year-old boy had actually called the police station when they had put out a call asking for witnesses. And the boy told the police that he had been befriended by another teenage, a 14-year-old boy, at the entrance of the castle. 
And he said that kid appeared to be very familiar with the castle, even offered to guide him through. Mm. And that the kid had a cigarette lighter that he was helping to guide them through with the light. Mm. And the boy claims that he bumped into something. There was like a strobe light malfunctioning and the kid with the lighter bumped it into it and like lit up, lit up the wall. Which I'm sure went instantly. (laughs) uh, It was like a foam rubber wall with a bunch of like shitty 80s paint on it. It it went up like wildfire, let's be honest. Um, But the prosecutor actually exonerated the kid, who has never been named, of any wrongdoing. I don't know why... I that's don't giving get me, it. like, the good son vibes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, right now. That's so weird. That's the good son me, like, came weird. Up, I don't... Like, mm. I was thinking about The Good Son the other day. My brother and I loved that movie growing Dude, up. it's so... Uh, if you haven't seen it, guys, Elijah Wood, Macaulay Culkin, in the prime of early 90s greatness. They're both children in the oh, movie. And they're and so ridiculous. incredible. Yeah, it's so... Oh, my God. Everybody oof. go watch it immediately, right now. That's it. A- um, it's one of those movies that, like... I didn't realize how horrific it was as oh, a yeah. kid watching it mm-hmm. and then rewatching it as an adult. I'm like, what the fuck was I watching? <laughs> I remember watching it as like an older teenager because I remember watching it with like some of my cousins right. when I was younger thinking yeah. it was a fantastic movie. But like when I watched it again, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, oh, oh no. Like yeah. this is all, this is all bad. <laughs> It's the yeah. worst. Oh, but yeah. my, oh gosh, Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood are both oh, so good. They're so movie. good. They're so good. It's like absurd that they're that good at acting at 10 years old. Ugh, Macaulay crazy. Culkin, like evil Macaulay Culkin is just so. Uh, mm, he's perfect. So good. The perfect juxtaposition of Macaulay Culkin and the good son versus Macaulay Culkin and my girl. Uh, mm, yeah. The kid's got talent. Yeah. And by the kid, I mean he's a grown-ass adult. This, I was going to say, the 40-something-year-old so, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is older than both Shout of us. Shout out to Macaulay. Oh, we love I'm you, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> we'll give you all the hashtags Party for monster. this. Oh, my God. Oh, we my God. To. <laughs> We're going to have to have a whole episode about Party Monster. So the legal proceedings for this were extensive. Mm-hmm. On September 14th, 1984... A grand jury indicted Six Flags, uh, Great Adventure, and its parent company, just Six Flags, on aggravated manslaughter for, quote, recklessly causing the deaths under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life. Mm. They also specifically charged two park execs, the general manager, and his predecessor with manslaughter because they had been ignoring repeated warnings of safety violations. The criminal trial began in the New Jersey Superior Court on May 29th, 1985, so quite a while later. And the prosecution basically argued that they had been ignoring repeated warnings by the safety officials who had been coming in. Mm -hmm. The defendants denied any culpability, of course. They were not taking any of the credit for this because they said the fire was arson and that even with And had they even been taking precautions, it wouldn't have mattered because it wouldn't have saved lives because somebody did this on purpose. Which, um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a good look. It's not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So the prosecution ended up bringing in fire prevention witnesses, like, or consultants who said like, these are the things that they should have done that they had been told to do and they never did. And then they had that 13-year-old boy come in and say, well, this one kid with a cigarette lighter caused this. Mm-hmm. The defense actually tried to get the little boy to confess that he had started the fire. I bet they did. Yep. And he, of course, <laughs> denied that. Of course. Shock. <laughs> Basically, at the end of the day, it was a, so it was an eight-week trial. The jury deliberated for 13 hours and found the two companies not guilty. What? Not guilty. After the trial, a lot of the jury people had been interviewed, and the jury foreman actually blamed the township officials for allowing the castle to continue to ignore those fire codes. What? Okay, okay. Listen. 
Yeah. I think that there is some due diligence there. For sure. However, uh, honestly, I think it's everybody's fault. You all however, dropped the ball and eight people not died. The county's responsibility to, to, like, it's your responsibility to go get whatever permit or whatever you need. Right. Like, the fact that they have the ability to audit or check if you did your due diligence mm-hmm. doesn't give you, I don't know, that's, that's dumb. <laughs> Following the, uh, the criminal trial, the families of four of the victims who had died filed civil suits against the owners of Six Flags, the company that built the castle... The castle was actually like a rented from a guy who specialized in haunted houses, the Tom's River Haunted House Company. Mm -hmm. And so they also sued that guy, trying to charge them with manslaughter and aggravated manslaughter. Um, They, for some reason, the New York City Board of Education was involved. They tried to sue the state of New Jersey. They tried to sue the the county, Jackson Township. It was wild. So seven of the eight families ended up settling out of court for $2.5 million each. One of the families decided, no, I want a court trial. And they were only awarded $750,000. Oh, gosh. What a terrible. Like, at least give them the same amount that you gave the other people, you dickweeds. I mean, but that's the rule that... Nice, right? Uh, Yeah, that's it. It sucks. It really, really sucks. So, obviously, this sparked a wild revamp of the safety of the attractions at the park. The park claimed to have made $5.2 million worth of renovations. They Mm -hmm. added in sprinklers, computerized smoke and heat detectors, but... Obviously, following this, park attendance went way down. Mm -hmm. They almost closed, but they didn't. They managed to pull themselves back out. But in 1987, a very good year, (laughs) uh, it looks like they were going to close down. But they managed to, you know, get past it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there is an independent movie called Doorway to Hell, The Mystery and Controversy Surrounding Mm. the Fire at the Haunted Castle that was made in 2003, who was actually a longtime patron. The guy who directed it or produced it loved the Haunted Castle. Oh, man. It won a bunch of awards. Um, It followed the investigation and the trial. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah, I like I wanted to watch it beforehand. I just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy like did the job. He won like research awards for it, which is crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's amazing. Um, but it just you know it's sad, and I hope that I I think nowadays at least the likelihood of things like this happening are less, just because mm-hmm. I feel like that the rules are so stringent mm-hmm. and. You know, hopefully people aren't shirking the fire codes. But who knows? We just work here. <laughs> so that's the Haunted Castle. Well, thank you. That was a good yeah. one. Creepy, creepy. Book recs. Book recs. I think we both kind of did the same thing of we that went was... for History of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of. There's a, we, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so so this week my book rec is called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween by Lisa Morton. Um, it's really fun. It dives really deep into the backstory of Halloween, where it came from, the traditions that it stems from now. Um, and Lisa Morton is also in film and TV, so the book reads really well. Oh, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went with the way back origins of Halloween this week mm-hmm. for my book rack, and it is called The Book of Halloween mm-hmm. by Ruth Edna Kelly. 
and Ruth's book was written in 1919, I believe. So oh, this is damn. like a really old, yeah, super fun, like old historic sort of take on mm-hmm. the traditions of Halloween. So check that out if you enjoy that sort of thing. Next week's episode will be supported by the letter P. Check us out on social media and give us your best guesses on what our theme for next week will be. If you'd like to hear more from us, please check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon at True Crime ABC Podcast, or email us your thoughts, ideas, and listener stories to truecrimeabcpodcast at gmail.com. P will not be for penis. (laughs) Or will it? Looking at you, Lorraine and Bobby. Or will it? Can you imagine? No. Oh my gosh. No. P no. is for penis. That's no. bad. Peen? No. Ween? No. W is for ween? No. Okay. No. Right. Well, no weens or peens. No weens or peens? <laughs> Fine. This isn't going to be a peen pod. I no. get it. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, wild. Oh, crap. I love it. Right. Yay. We did it again. Oh, my gosh. Look at us go. Even though I think we were both in the same place this week. But. Yep. Uh-huh. Nope. We did it. Yay. We go did us. it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Hope to hear um, from you soon. Soon. Please, <laughs> please to- connect with us on all the things. It'd be cool if we could get some sponsorship on this. Money, mud. I just <laughs> money, mud. Um, is that camp nowhere? It is. Yes, yeah, it definitely. Is really, that's so this good. is why we're friends. Such an underrated. Everybody like I love heavyweights. Everybody loves heavyweights, but like camp nowhere does not get the love that it deserves. Dude, I don't care what anyone says. Christopher Lloyd in anything. Oh, hilarious. It's, win. it's a win. Yep. I don't care. He carries the whole. He carries the whole. He show. really does. Oh, uh, and Andrew oh Keegan. Yeah. was like hardcore. Such a dude. Crush when I was that child. He's like, oh my douche. god, I was like, he's so mean, and I love him. I think does I think he's like the head of a cult or something now. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> legitimately, sounds, I think he about is. Right. Yeah, that's it's Andrew not a cult. Keegan. It's a religious movement. I feel yeah. like he probably didn't age well, it's a which community. makes me feel sad. Yeah, it's a community that looks like a fucking cult. What's, what's the, that line from what is he, Do you like the... Sorry. Oh, do you like the white shirt or the black shirt? Yeah. <laughs> I, damn, I was going... Uh, thoughtful? Damn, I was going for pensive. That one? <laughs> oh, I freaking love 10 Things I Hate About You so much. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, he... Damn, I'm going for... Damn, it's going for pensive. Hey, homie, look up the word synonym. Synonym? Oh, you got it. Um, Andrew Keegan's spiritual community. Wait, that's the name of it? No, I'm looking oh. at it right now. <laughs> it's like, that is a cult. But he does have, uh, no, he legitimately has, um... It's called the Full Circle Spiritual Community. That's a cult. 